0: everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win, this is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we're going to be talking about a few like random real life stuff. Uh, Don's been thinking about getting a driver's license, thinking about getting back into cars or whatever. And then uh, we also had some ideas about Marx and morality and whether he had like a particular idea about morality or whether it was something that is just like an artifact of capitalism or, or something along those lines. So... Yeah, let's, let's kick off with this car stuff. What, what have you been up to, Don? Um,
1: so my uh, driver's license expired. It, it, you can get here. I don't know how it works there, but here you get like a trainer's license kind of thing. Like a, It's called graduated licensing where you get like a first level kind of uh, thing. It lasts up to five years kind of thing. And then if you don't renew it, then I mean, you can't renew it. You have to kind of take the written test. There's like a 20 question multiple choice written test. And it is basically a logic test kind of thing, right? Like it's not, it's about car stuff, but it it like, it's basically like, you know, if you think about it, you don't, you're not really going to be able to know the answer just independently. You kind of have to know the, you know, it'll be like four questions. uh, I mean, like four uh, multiple choice things. And then like one of them will be like you know like it'll it'll be like okay what do you do in a skid situation or something like that and then Mm -hmm. you kind of have to you have to choose the one that is like the best of the options and stuff so um i i know very little about this kind of stuff like all all the different signs and all that kind of stuff like all the different yeah snow signs or whatever all the different technical stuff so uh it's uh it's, it's funny because it's, like, aimed at 16-year-olds, but it's, like, I'm just, like, I'm puzzling over it as if it's, like, as hard as, like, the linear algebra courses I've taken or something <laughs> like that kind of thing. I'm just, like, I have no idea. And uh, so, but you have to go. So, what you do is you go and you have to pay a fee and stuff. But, like, uh, and that includes, like, it's, like, a package kind of thing, including, like, the road test for the second level and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you fail the written test, that's embarrassing. It's happened to me before. And you have to pay another $16 to to take it again. So I've been reading through the, like, handbook, whatever, trying to, like, learn all the different ins and outs of what you're supposed to do. It's like, because the questions usually are, like, things that, like, you might not remember offhand kind of thing. It's like, okay, what are the hand signals you give if uh, your lights are out of order or something like that? That kind of thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's just little things like that that you just have to kind of remember. And, uh, so I'm kind of working through it, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know, it's, it's a bit irritating, but like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. So, um, but it's just one of those things where we talked about before, like a year or two ago, I think, but like it, it, like it would make my life so much better in a lot of ways if I did drive, so uh you know like I, I live in a place that is designed 100% for cars you can't get around any, anywhere else like a right yeah and uh there's no like bus that runs to my area and stuff and and uh yeah so even even being able to like drive into the train station and then go to Toronto or something like that by myself on that would be a lot better than the current situation so yeah
0: yeah i i don't really remember too well the you know the driver's test and all that but i think the way it worked for me and i don't know if this is different from state to state but i did this in washington uh you i think you get like two chances to do the written test to pass it uh, like per time that you pay for it and i failed the first time and i passed the second time and Mm -hmm. what i remember a lot of it like you said is sort of like almost common sense You know, like, it's like, what lane should you be in if you want to turn right? And it's like left center or right lane. You know, it's like kind of obvious. You don't want to be on like the left lane and turn across all the other lanes, you know. But then there were like those and then some which were just straight, like, you just have to have looked it up and memorized it. It's like, what is the, you know, speed limit on this or or whatever, you know, like just stuff that isn't logical in any sense. It's just like you have to know it. Yeah. And then there was, like, the the practical driving test after that, which I didn't feel like I did super well. I thought I did okay, but I passed it. I think that's really just up to the teacher. Like, they're very... Oh, really? It seems like it's very instructor-dependent. Like, some of them are going to yeah. be really harsh. Some of them are not going to care at all. And it's just luck of the draw. Yeah,
1: I just need to get some driving experience and then see how it goes from there. I, I do worry a lot that, like, when I when I mentally imagine sort of driving around and stuff uh, or if i'm in a car and kind of thinking about you know if i were driving and so like that uh, i feel like i would have a hard time keeping track of everything at the same time consistently over a period of time like making sure you're going the right speed and making sure that like you're checking your blind spot and all that kind of stuff whatever like all the small things I guess it becomes, uh, you know, we've talked about this before too, but like, yeah, just like it becomes second nature, I guess, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I always feel like, because I, I, I the only like uh, equivalent I have is like just walking around or stuff and walking around to me feels like, uh, it feels like I'm on an obstacle course all the time. Like if I'm <laughs> like in a store or something, I feel like people are just like, like, like I, like I'm under siege from them or something like they're they're trying to walk into me they're trying to hit me or something you know what I mean like, like yeah yeah it's as if everyone's just bouncing around and so the idea that like I would have that same feeling but like in a car and then like the risks and uh you know of that uh it, it it's like horrifying to me but it's one of those things where uh I have to sort of bracket that and then go i'm just gonna get in the car and see what happens and then uh, maybe it will be different so
0: yeah most people don't die i guess right so
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah uh, there's Um,
0: this thing hamza yusuf said which is like one of his ideas about like how it's very obvious that there are like angels and stuff protecting people is that there aren't incredible amounts of car accidents that like most people are able to get in a car and get to where they need to go without like you know suffering an injury or something like that yeah it's just insane i've always thought that kind of uh, not about angels in particular but just like i don't really trust the idea of like lanes being i I don't know they're just lines painted on a ground sure and uh you know these are like two ton pieces of metal going like 90 miles an hour sometimes like it just seems like you're everything tends to work out most of the time, but it kind of feels like, uh, I don't know. It seems like the odds are against it, but yeah, that that kind of makes me nervous.
1: Yeah. It's very strange. And, uh, so I don't know. And the other thing that I don't know anything about really is like car maintenance kind of stuff. And like, uh, you know, like making sure all your fluids are okay or whatever and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, the other uh, related to that is that, like, I guess I just need more experience in the car because uh, I have no real, like, there's certain cars I can look at and go, okay, those look cool. But I have no real, like, knowledge of, like, the differences between the different cars kind of thing. Like, Yeah, me mean I can kind of, like, see the numbers and stuff. But, like, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, on paper, I'm like, oh, I'll just get, like, a small car that's cheap or something like that kind of thing. And then it's like, yeah, but maybe uh, i'll feel cramped in a small car or something like that or maybe i'll feel like i need uh i might as well get like a sedan with like four doors so that like it's like uh you know if i need the room or for something or you know what i mean like i i don't know it's very uh i mean it's stuff i should have figured out 20 years ago maybe but like uh i don't know it's uh it's interesting
0: i don't know so yeah yeah i remember learning all that like car maintenance stuff from my dad when I was like a kid you know he would he loves tinkering with his car and just working on it and stuff so he would always like have me help him and try to teach me stuff and everything and it it just doesn't really stick when you don't have practical experience to apply that you know like sure. you can kind of get it in the moment but then like the next day if you yeah I don't know if you don't if you don't need to do it yourself it doesn't really stick So I'm not sure maybe if I did have a car and I just started to like work on it, maybe that would all come back. But, um, yeah, Yeah, I've always just never, it's never made sense for me to have a car. Um, like whether it was because I was just traveling all the time or like now I live in a city where public transportation just makes more sense than having a car, uh, generally. mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would be handy for sure. And, um, it's definitely some, a skill that's good to have, right? Like that. Yeah. that's one thing that's come up a few times. I, I, like I did pass the driver's test. I, I know how to drive in like a basic sense, but I just ha- don't have a lot of experience driving. So it's not something I feel super comfortable doing. And, yeah. um, it's, it's just tricky, right? Like, cause if you don't have to drive or if it doesn't make sense to drive, you don't get the experience, but then, uh, i don't know it's it sort of feels like a catch-22 or something
1: sure um do you have a spot like a
0: parking spot at your new place or um i'm not sure but it's definitely not hard to get parking okay like for whatever reason a a lot of people just don't park right outside so like when people have visited and stuff i don't think there's ever been a time when they haven't been able to just park right outside we kind of like, the apartment's kind of like right at a sort of a dead end-ish kind of a spot. It's not exactly a dead end, but there's not a lot of traffic going through there. So, I think, uh, yeah, I, just, I don't think a lot of people are trying to park there. So, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Cool.
1: Um, so, I guess prices have gone up for cars in the last year or so, two years, um, because of COVID and stuff, people sure taking public transportation so like used cars are more expensive and new cars are you know they're being sold i guess kind of thing it's like uh so i don't know i uh so that's one thing that i'm gonna have to think about do is like how much do i actually want to if i did buy a car like how much would i want to spend on it and stuff so um or if i wanted to get like a loan or something um so uh yeah i don't know I, it's all tricky kind of stuff i have to kind of figure out so
0: yeah the um, cost of it is the other thing that's really just been it's not something that's just like oh well maybe it would be convenient to have so I'll just get one. It it costs a lot of money, right? You really need to like yeah. get your value out of it, and I just mm-hmm. don't see that happening. So
1: yeah. at least for me,
0: right? Like for you, I think sure. it makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah, for
1: sure, yeah. Um, especially because then I can get, like get out to like different events and stuff, and um, maybe volunteer somewhere or something like that. It's easier to do it that it's not really viable if i have to be like mom drive
0: me to volunteer somewhere or something like that kind of thing yeah so the same way so you should get uh, like yeah. a pa system and you could do bad news hues stuff drive around town
1: yeah so you, like a uh, oh like uh what do you call it like uh oh no no okay i thought you meant like a gopro or something i just do i could do like car rants like uh big dave and stuff like that so, <laughs>
0: no 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 i mean like you know like um like I, they have them for political campaigns sure Or, uh, you know, stuff like that. Sure.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. That's one thing I've been thinking about lately.
0: Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. I feel like the whole car culture thing is changing. You know, like I think for for like boomers and maybe the generation before them, uh, cars were just something that it was like an automatic kind of thing that you would get, you know, and it was like a big part of like becoming an adult and it was pretty I don't know. It just seemed like a very like a uh, obvious part of, uh, of life, you know, you yeah. know, it may be similar way that like home ownership was sort of like an assumed thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think car ownership was similar and it feels like that's changing now. It seems like people in cities are really moving away from having cars unless they just have the money to spend on it just because they, you know, for the convenience of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's different for people out in like towns and stuff kind of like you right like it yeah the whole town is built around the idea of people having cars and there's not a lot of good at public transportation. So I don't think like cars are going away or anything like that, but it just feels like things are changing especially for like urban situations. So I'm not really mm-hmm. sure like I, I remember in London they have this thing that you have to like pay to drive for a given day. So like, if you want to use your car on a given day, you have to like register for it or something. You pay like a certain amount so that you can have permission to drive it that day.
1: Oh really? Yeah. In, in in like the downtown
0: areas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know how widespread that is. Like if it's just like the city of London or which is like, you know, that very small part of the, of the lowercase C city, right? There's like the capital C city of London and then there's the broader city. Um, yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't know how much that covers but that's just interesting Um, yeah you know like trying to keep traffic down and everything i guess
1: the the problem is that like uh for in north america is that like uh car owners have a lot of political power in different ways for lots of reasons oh yeah yeah and uh they just like you know any sort of thing like this they just they go crazy basically like any sort of minor reform or something like that
0: kind yeah of. i mean I, do, I don't necessarily see that happening in north america sure. but it's yeah. just sort of interesting that and, and i yeah. think it makes a little bit more sense in like a european city like a lot of those places are built on old pre-car cities you know so a lot of the streets sure. and stuff aren't really well designed for cars yeah but in north america it's the exact opposite pretty much everything is like designed specifically for cars almost yeah so hmm um so, yeah i don't know i just i maybe like uber and lyft and all this kind of stuff becomes more i don't think it'll stay exactly the way it is now but i think that is approaching some kind of model that we might be transitioning into you know more like a mm-hmm. rental kind of a situation or something
1: yeah they do have uh like in, i think it's in montreal it's called like a communato or something where it's like a car sharing service kind of thing where you rent a car for like you know just a few hours or something like that and there's like cars it's sort of like the bike share services except that it's for cars so they are sort of spread out throughout the city and then you just kind of walk up to one or whatever i think that's how it works for a lot of it um you just sort of walk up to one and then take it uh and you know do your driving for the day or whatever and then you just pay a rate based on whatever and then you also pay like a system fee like you know, annual fee or something like that, to be able to use it. And, uh, so that, that seems like an interesting thing too. Cause it's like, you know, you do got to think that like, you know, for a lot of people, for most of the day, they're not, they don't need the car, even if they need a car sometimes kind of thing. So, yeah. um, and, uh, I mean, really a lot of this stuff with the cars and that you got to think in terms of like families, I guess is the thing too. Like, it's very easy for me to think in terms of just walking around or doing stuff kind of thing but you got to think of people that are like you know have two kids with them while they're doing all this stuff and that and uh, um, a lot of the time that makes public transit a lot less you know in its current form like a lot less uh, attractive kind of thing because that's the thing is the the debate in uh, Toronto and a lot of that stuff a lot of it the left-wing sort of thing focuses on the price like the fact that it costs like three bucks or whatever for subway token or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like or or ticket now i guess and uh like the way that they you know it's like well this is so expensive that if you're like you know if you're very very poor uh you can't afford transit basically like you have to you know you you can only you i don't know you either are paying a lot of your income out of it you know uh, to just get around or uh, you're just not doing it at all because you know just the price is not worth it kind of thing to you yeah
0: but it limits but, job but, opportunities i've experienced that myself yeah. where it's like okay it costs me three bucks to get there three bucks to get back and then i that's like oh, oh, maybe an hour of, <laughs> of the wage that would be yeah you know like it's it's not uh, not great
1: but the problem is that like uh you know people say stuff like well it gets people out of cars and into transit if you lower the transit fee but cars are so much more expensive than transit right now yeah that that's not really the decision point kind of thing right like you're you're paying, you might be paying thousands of dollars a year to have a car and then a, a bus pass for the whole year might be like $1200 $1300 or something like that kind of thing right so it's like no one is making that decision based on cost. Right. Directly. Yeah. They're making it based on the fact that, like, it is very, very convenient to have a car compared to having to sit on a transit system that breaks down three times while you're on it. And, you know, you might not get there on time. And there's a guy on the on the streetcar that's yelling at you because he's high or whatever. And, you know what I mean? Like, it's like there's so many other things that go into the reason why you're not doing it uh, that... The focus on the cost is it's 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 easy because it unites every single person and it's visible and it's economic but like the real issue is like coverage and stuff like that and like trying to get people it's stuff like you know making it so that you you, is dependable is one big thing because a lot of people can't take it because it takes them way too long you know you it might break down for half an hour or something like that and then you're just not you're not there on time and that's not you know for a lot of jobs that's just not negotiable you can't be late every day or every other week or whatever you know kind of thing and that that's what that was my experience when i lived in toronto is that things were just constantly broken and it wasn't that like you know like 95% of the system would be working okay most of the time but if you're traveling large distances you know every day or whatever part of the system in your trip every day would be broken or something like that kind of thing right like it just anyways that's just that's just the experience or you might have to have a long wait or basically you have a minor bad experience with the system every day and I mean people don't enjoy traffic that's not you know that's its own thing too but like uh, there's a difference between being stuck in traffic in a car and being stuck in traffic on like say a hot streetcar that tells you you have to get off and then get on again and all this kind of stuff, you know, like, I don't know. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, that sounds, uh, I don't know. Like I, I haven't experienced that many problems with things breaking down. Is that like a, a pretty bad issue in, uh, in Canada? I
1: found, I found it with Toronto, but, uh, it might've been really just, maybe it was like, like the routes that I was taking or something, but like, uh, I find that like, there's lots of days where, like, say, the trains wouldn't be running, right? They'd have to, like, bring on emergency buses to get things working or... It just all the time, uh, I would run into problems. And uh at the very least, it would be, like, problems to the point where you can't depend on it for, like... You know, I couldn't, like, say, go to a doctor's appointment unless I, like, booked in, you know, an extra half-hour hour just to... uh get try to get there early so that i knew that i wouldn't be delayed a lot
0: yeah just account for for that kind yeah. of stuff man that sucks so, i i yeah i've definitely like had issues like that you know i've been using public transportation to get to work uh, for probably six years or so something like that and um i can't remember a time that i've been like late because of it but I think I've also had maybe good luck with that because there's definitely been plenty of times where it's just been uh, like like on the way back home, I've been, you know, adding an extra hour or something because things broke down. Sure. Um, I think a lot of times there's like alternatives, especially like here in Chicago, right? Like if you take sure, the train, yeah, yeah. you can get off at a certain station and just take a bus, you know, and it, it will sure. pretty much get you there. And if everything kind of fails um there's always like uber and stuff like that and then they also usually have like shuttles running when things aren't working um yeah you know generally you're not going to be super super late yeah
1: the other thing i can't handle is uh um it'll be very common for at peak times for the trains to just be so full like subways to be so full that you can't get anyone else on them oh yeah yeah and uh i hate that um and so what I end up doing, because I can't, I can't handle that. I can't just be packed in there or else I'll freak out or whatever. Right. And, uh, so what I end up doing is just sitting there for maybe like half an hour or so or more, just waiting for all the trains that are full to go by until yeah. there's one that were like, there might be a bit of space and stuff, uh, instead of trying to squeeze on, cause people try to squeeze on like sardines or whatever, but like it just, uh, um, it, I can't, uh. I don't know. I can't have that. So it's one of those things where there's so many experiences that are, are like negative associated with it that are like uh, that could be solved with more funding and stuff like that that don't relate directly to price. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I will tend to wait for things to clear up to. It really depends, though. Like if it's the coldest part of winter and it's like, you know, negative 20 or something, uh, I, I will just get in. <laughs> you know, I'll sure. just try to make it work but uh i guess i don't know it really depends how frequently like trains are running right like for for me here in chicago it's probably like 15 minutes tops that you have to wait so Mm -hmm. that's pretty reasonable and a lot of times it's just like one or two cars that are the big packed ones and often if they're packed it's been, you know, they, they're much slower, so they kind of come in this, like, caravan style, you know? So, it's, like, instead of waiting 15 minutes, it's, like, one, and then the next one's right behind it, and the one's right behind it. So, then it's kind of more, like, three cars or three uh, trains that are kind of, like, bunched up together, and, like, the first one might be packed, the second one might be packed, but the third one will have more room, and you just need to kind of be smart about sure. it and wait for yeah. that last one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is actually in my, the sort of small neighboring town, there is actually a bus service that I used to use when I lived at my own apartment in, in that town. And, uh, um, uh, it was for a long time, it was basically like the bus would come once an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and that wasn't like, uh, that, you know, uh, especially for someone like me, that's like, not really I mean, at the time and stuff, especially, like not really on top of things, kind of thing mm-hmm. to be like uh and and not just that, but like the bus will come sometimes like ten minutes early, and then you know, yeah, they're, that's they're the not worst. To do that, but yeah, and then stuff like that, so that I just you know, yeah, it, it just screws up your whole day, basically, if you're trying to get to like across town or whatever, so especially again, for like an appointment, you just can't do that, you have to take a taxi then or something so.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, long story short, commuting in general just sucks. <laughs> Either you're yeah. you're paying out the nose for a car or you're having to deal with yeah. all these problems with public transportation. Sure. So the work from home thing that I know not everyone's doing that right now and that's not possible for everybody. So I, I feel bad for people to still have to go into work during all this stuff. But it's been pretty nice to not have to think about yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, it seems like I'll be able to continue doing that for a little bit longer. So, yeah. Yay for me. Yeah. Tabs 2 is also going to be doing that, I think. I think they were originally thinking about getting people back in uh, next month, actually. It would have been, yeah, it would have been September that they would have been getting their people back in. But I think they're delaying that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. know. I mean, I, I guess I work from home, but like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> But, like, uh, I write articles and stuff. But, like, uh, yeah. So, anyways, as you can see, there's lots of little reasons why it'd be good for me to be... There's even, like, uh, sort of, like, regional inter... Like, uh, there's, like, regional transit around Toronto that goes uh, not... Like, I'm pretty far out, so it just goes far out as us. But it goes, like, if I drove for, like, 45 minutes or so, um, there would be, like, a train there kind of thing i could take which is a lot cheaper and a lot more frequent um so if i like say tomorrow we're going to a baseball game so we're going to drive to that train station and then get into toronto that way and that's it's uh it's not it's not great but it's it's pretty it is pretty convenient and uh um so eventually that's something that i could look forward to too i could uh, you know if i was driving regularly i could theoretically i could, could commute uh to doing things in toronto like that um so that's one reason why it would be good for me to get to that point eventually and uh that would be a lot cheaper to do that than like to say get a point apartment in toronto or something so yeah um and uh so i don't know we'll see how it goes is but, is
0: there a like a big push in canada towards uh, like electric cars and stuff because that seems to be a thing here
1: yeah there is they they sort of uh they start and stop a lot of these like tax credits and bonuses and you know like yeah. all these little like incentives and all that kind of stuff um so it exists in Canada it's, it's basically the same I think scale as the United States or maybe slightly more some of that but you know there's always like uh, promotions and then they get canceled and stuff and um because the costs are actually pretty high to do that a lot of this stuff it's like it's like the because, it, you know, you got to think of the distribution and stuff. The people that are buying it are tend to be much better off kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. if you're giving tax credits to them to do something, like, to help them buy a car, it's, like... It, it doesn't make know, a lot it, of sense. It's, it, 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 it's fine if you have, like, a... It's sort of okay, but if you're, like, thinking about it in terms of uh, equity and all that... There's lots of lots of reasons why you. it's sort of, like, uh, on the edge and... Um, they do have like more i've seen more like power charging stations and all that kind of stuff and um
0: yeah we've got one of those right know. by our apartment oh yeah. yeah it's in a walgreens parking lot it just feels like you know it's nothing special there's not it's not there's nothing around it that would make sense that like oh yeah it's right next to like some electric car shop or something right like it's just oh, yeah. in a walgreens parking lot in a yeah. you know kind of a middle of the road neighborhood it's not wealthy it's not poor it's just kind of in the middle um mm-hmm. and it's also not i guess it is off a somewhat major street but yeah there's that just kind of uh says something to me you know that they're just becoming more prevalent yeah. and i've seen a lot sure. of car companies are saying stuff like they're going to move entirely to electric vehicles they're transitioning yeah. into that and i guess like the government is doing that with like buses and the, in the you know the postal cars whatever they're called you know
1: oh yeah yeah i don't know i could see buying some of that. the thing is that like uh um for me i'm just you know the the price point is probably just going to be like a used sedan from a number of years ago kind of thing you know like it, oh yeah that, sure, that sure. Probably, you know so so i i i was looking at some of that stuff too the other day because the prices have kind of come down you can get like used hybrids for like reasonable amounts and stuff but the problem is that, like, I don't know about the quality of the batteries and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of costs involved in that in maintaining them and stuff. And it, it's it, the technology seems to be changing so quickly that I don't even know if it'd be worthwhile to buy, like, a used hybrid or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it's one of those things where it, it does fit into my, like, you know, prefer the better option if it's available and affordable and stuff like that. It does kind of fit into that worldview kind of thing. But, like... Uh, I don't know. So they still seem pretty. A lot of them seem kind of just beyond uh, viability or something like that, still. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I was
0: just more thinking about like the future, like when we're old and gray, sure. you know? Yeah. I yeah, feel yeah. like electric is sort of going to be the thing. But more than that, uh, like I think AI is going to be a little bit more integrated into the whole deal. Yeah. You know? So I. I'm just thinking about like the car sharing services and if stuff like that starts to become more mainstream and more of like the normal car experience. Like it'd be kind of interesting. I don't know. I think, I think things might be significantly different, you know, yeah. besides just being electric, it might be like, you know, somehow the, the cars will be like distributed through this, like AI thing. It'll like put cars in mm-hmm. different places for you to get. And like, it'll just kind of, sure, you know, through algorithms or whatever like understand where cars ought to be and where the demand is and i don't know it'd be kind of interesting yeah almost like a pseudo public kind of a thing
1: sure the automation part of it is interesting but it seems like the main uh i think they call it like closed loop or something like that so it's 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 right now uh the main sort of uses of the automation and stuff is in it's in sites that are under total private control or some sort kind of thing. It's like, you know, like ports use it a lot now. Mm. Um, there's there's ports that are like pretty close to fully automated and uh, um, That's cool. a lot of like... Uh, so I can imagine stuff like parking lots or something like that being automated. Sure, you just like, pull
0: into the parking lot and then it just, the automation takes over.
1: It, yeah, huh. it's got to be something where they have control over the number of people in an area so that they're not uh getting hurt from you know getting involved in you know getting in the way of a car that hits them or something like that kind of thing so that that, i mean not for like the technology but for the risk and, and regulatory kind of stuff so um the the yeah the the interesting thing about that though i think is that uh um like uh you can kind of imagine it creeping out from there kind of thing then you know like more and more situations where there's like sort of closed environments uh that you know f- sort of mesh with the existing system more and more and uh, um i don't know yeah i think that's that's probably part of the future kind of thing and uh and then eventually i mean the the, the dream is obviously they try to get the truckers to uh, be replaced in, in a lot of ways but yeah i don't know how long that's going to be but like uh I mean, eventually, yeah, you can imagine that they will just create a whole closed loop kind of infrastructure too or something like that where you can drive and there are normal roads and stuff, but then there might be, you know, parallel systems of basically, you know, like for intercity and stuff like that, you can imagine basically the the equivalent of like a train or something like that for that. I know that's what like Tesla has been saying about like for underground kind of stuff or something, but you can kind of imagine a system where there's like a closed highway or something like that where hmm. once you get onto the highway it's automated or for you kind of thing that'd be cool and uh stuff like that i can imagine that and uh, so i think that'd be cool yeah um i mean it sucks but, for the truckers yeah.
0: right but i mean
1: yeah well the truckers might be uh it might make it might you can imagine their job getting better in some ways uh if uh You know, you can imagine that, like, a lot of these trucks might – there might be ways to to kind of get around it and stuff or ways to – I don't know. I I think that a lot of it is, like, sort of, like, in-between kind of things or something like that where you might have a trucker involved in the truck, like, installing the truck and stuff. But, like, uh, you can imagine them being uh, lower skilled, lower paid or something like that. And, uh, I mean, you don't want that to happen, but, I mean, in terms of, like – it could be like an average wage or something like that or something like that or whatever um, uh, within systems that are mostly automated. So they're just sort of there doing, you know, assisting. and stuff. Yeah, like, like train kind of
0: operators, so, basically.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And the, I mean, I, I guess we've talked about this before, but like if something like that happens, it will kind of affect a lot of things on a kind of second order sort of thing. Like there's a yeah. lot of towns that rely on on truckers you know and i mean i think Mm -hmm. people tend to kind of cry about that a little i mean it sucks for those people right like that's their livelihood and stuff but i mean those aren't especially good situations and they're sort of like built on something that is i i don't know it's you you can't just keep it around just because we want to keep people working in like some diner you know what i mean like that's not a it's not a real solution that's not something that's necessarily like worth keeping around you want to do Mm -hmm. something to help those people but um yeah Yeah. I, i think people kind of sometimes like get kind of dramatic about like oh but think about the the lady working in the 24 7 you know greasy spoon over in this tiny little town of 500 people and it's like well Okay, but it already sucks for her. Uh, yeah. Then if the the cafe that she works at closes down, I mean, yeah, you know.
1: Well, the, the truth is that like the prop a lot of this problem is that we've got these huge imbalances all over the world that are uh, right. Yeah. You know, e- like I mean, there it, it is. It is true at the end of the day that it is sort of irrational that we import all these things from very far. Oh yeah, for really. sure. And yeah. uh, so. It's one of those things where you can imagine an ideal situation where there is a transition more towards like producing locally where it makes sense and stuff in, uh, you know, more small scale factories and all this kind of stuff or whatever. It's sort of like, you know, efficiency doesn't have to necessarily come from making it the biggest factory in the world. It could be like efficient in terms of being local to where it's being produced and all that kind of stuff. But. It just we haven't been at that point yet, kind of thing. Because, I mean, basically because there's no planning involved in like actual human needs a lot of the time. And so there is to a certain extent in terms of like, okay, we need schools and hospitals. There's like amenities kind of thing that are planned, but not like, uh, you know, not it's it's not like uh, the government is like, okay, we need to come up with a plan to uh, make truckers feel more comfortable on the job <laughs> over the next 10 years or something like that. you know what i mean there's, yeah. there's no there's no one there's no one whose job that is even like just basic inspections of the actual factories and everything that we have now uh are pretty under uh um developed and very deliberately so like chomsky used to harp on this a lot about like how the state is basically like openly criminal on a lot of this kind of stuff just like openly like not inspecting factories and all this kind of stuff. So. Mm. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I, that's the thing is we're so underdeveloped as a society to some extent that it's like, that's the problem. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like the, you know, shipping stuff all over the, the world. Like the thing that really struck me, uh, was when I'm, when I was living in Washington, you know, they grow a lot of apples. They grow a lot of everything there, right? Like it's a big agricultural state. Uh, so you can get, local produce and stuff but you can also buy stuff from like apples from like chile and peru and all these kind of places and in some stores Mm -hmm. i couldn't actually get washington apples i could only get these like south american imported apples and stuff Mm -hmm. and already the idea of like importing fresh produce is like from other countries is is just crazy to me i mean it's one thing if it's like right over the border i'm not talking about that i'm talking like you know packing a freighter full of it and like going to a different continent like that's that's kind of nuts yeah but well when i moved yeah. to jordan i was able to find washington apples. like they had u.s apples there oh really and i was just like this is crazy i have to go to the middle east to get apples that are grown in the state <laughs> yeah, yeah. where i couldn't buy them there
1: sure i mean i i understand the economics of why that ends up happening a lot of the time just because of the cost involved and all that yeah the fact that like actually shipping stuff uh by seeing you know, all that tends to be uh very very cheap a lot of the time so it's not it's not necessary but it's just it it speaks to the uneven development of the world kind of mm-hmm. thing right where yeah. it's it is efficient like that because uh you have people working for very low wages uh in a foreign land or something like that kind of thing. so yeah like if if people in uh mexico or whatever were earning the same wages as someone or, you know, uh, nearby a lot of the time, uh, you know, it, there would be a lot less of that at least, you know? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. don't, I figured it was something like that. I don't know the exact sure. specifics of like, oh, why does this? Make no, sense? no, no, no. But it, it just struck me as like, this doesn't make sense on some basic yeah, yeah, level. Yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, yeah. I'm saying that it, it makes sense in like a weird economics brain way but it doesn't make sense in terms of like uh um you know ideal planning of a society or something like that so right um so the other thing i wanted to talk a little bit about was that someone the other day was talking about online was talking about uh marx and sort of marx's view of the state and politics and morality and all that kind of stuff and um like my sort of default position on this has been a lot of this kind of stuff is like uh um you know like people always say well marxism is not about morality it's about like the working class perspective of like trying to topple capitalism and all this kind of stuff it's not really about like uh trying to build the perfect uh moral society or something it's more you know it's not about like doing the best thing for uh in individual moral terms and stuff so that like you know it's more about like uh this process that then extrapolates kind of into revolution that you know and uh i always thought that was kind of you know at any given point i i thought that was kind of a bit cheap because it's like i don't know like it's like okay if there's no morality then like what there's obviously some sort of morality you know i mean there's obviously some sort of thing that you're talking about in terms of like what we should be doing you know what uh how we should be uh approaching moral situations and all this kind of stuff um and i was always like well it you know it does sound silly but it's like you know that's just uh that's because we're so used to thinking of morality as like just kind of uh you know weird people talking about like you shouldn't smoke pot or something like that kind of, you know what I mean? Like just really kind of cynical kind of stuff or like, I don't know. So anyway, someone brought up, they were talking about uh, how Marx's view on this um, that explained it a bit better and stuff. And uh, so I bought the related book uh, by Alan Wood. And uh, um, I I haven't uh, finished reading it yet, but it's like, there's a sort of section on it. Um, the second someone recommended that was sort of about this sort of, you know, the question of whether or not, um, he's aiming to build a particular social society that has certain kind of, uh, um, institutions, certain type of like certain type of politics or some of that, or if he's just trying to transcend all of our existing categories and stuff like that kind of thing. Um, uh, and you know to me this was one of the reasons why i was interested in socialism and stuff like that was that i thought that seemed more reasonable that like that in the future it would just be like different socialist institutions that would be more democratic and all that kind of stuff that made sense to me um i never really understood the full communism kind of stuff um as like uh you know a political system or something like that like the idea that, like, you would get rid of politics altogether or something like that just seemed like, I don't know, like, it just seemed like a negation of just very basic things that, like, you people would still have disagreements about stuff, people would still have, uh, you know, you would still need to organize coalitions to make certain social decisions and all this kind of stuff, so... It was like, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff around Chantal Mouffe and that, that I used to, and Ernest uh, Laclau, and, um, you know, was arguing about this kind of stuff, saying that like, well, you know, this antagonism that you see in politics is just, it's always there. There's always going to be these kind of, um, you know, differences between people or something like that, that, that articulate themselves in this particular way. Um, so anyways, the, the stuff that I was reading, um, uh, argues against that, not directly, but like it's, it argues that like Marx believed that, uh, um, like, uh, that our certain conception of politics is internal to capitalism kind of thing. Like that our idea of morality as we think of it is internal to class society, um, and that the reason why that is the case is because uh it's it's basically like our response to a certain problem set it's like you know when we're thinking about morality we're thinking in terms of certain types of scarcity certain types of uh you know basically that it's like you got this architecture of class society and uh when we're thinking in terms of like you know you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that whatever you shouldn't steal you shouldn't do that um it all reduces down eventually to uh you know maintenance of that system and the the problem is that like you know nowadays when you say that um it's very very quickly uh turned into this absurd thing where it's like well uh you know the police only exist to enforce capitalist rule or something like that kind of thing, but uh, it's it's in an absurd way of being like, well, traffic rules and uh you know whether or not you have to file your taxes and all that kind of stuff. Somehow, all of that is also capitalist rule in some evil way. Kind yeah, of thing. I you mean, mean like everything kind of saying, everything
0: is sustaining capitalist rule because yeah, that's what, so that's what we live in yeah. yeah
1: so it's like well you could get rid of the police and then uh all of that other stuff would just keep going along for some reason kind of thing <laughs> right. um and uh that always seemed kind of silly to me and uh so but uh if you think of it in a more long term thing of no, no no all of those rules about stealing or whatever kind of thing are internal to the certain set of institutions and that if you move into the future where a lot of those institutions have been changed in different ways to build a certain type of communist economy or whatever um uh none of that will make sense anymore that's all that matters like that's the that's the core argument it's not it's not that like morality won't exist or something like that kind of thing it's just that the problems that people worry about and think about and try to maintain in terms of like a hegemony uh, just won't make sense. Like it just, you know, it'll be like those laws
0: in like states that are really weird. Like alligators aren't allowed to wear hats and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. It'll be, yeah, like a defunct law or whatever they call them. But like, uh, it just, it just won't make sense. But the, I guess the thing that, stuck with me that i always had a issue with was that you might still have the same institutions as like architecture around it kind of thing like as you're saying like you might still have a law in the books it's just that it won't be relevant to people's lives it won't be relevant uh to or it might be relevant as a ritual or something like that kind of thing right like yeah there could still be a president maybe you know you don't know like it just it, you might have something like that it's just that it's just something that exists on paper, and it, it it it's not even that it wouldn't have an effect. Like it might have a very large effect, but that effect uh is basically like so has so much inertia behind it that it's not politically salient. Like that's the key. Is that like it's not that politics wouldn't exist, it's just that politics wouldn't be salient to what people are talking about. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it wouldn't take up any of your time. It wouldn't take up uh, any of your mental space
0: right yeah i think a lot of um like sharia kind of has worked that way in various times and places where like it's a state or some sort of situation where sharia is like the law of the land it's it's an islamic polity of some kind and so certain laws are like in the quran you can't really like say that you're islamic without saying like this is also the case like that we're going to have these laws and stuff so And and most of those ones that are in the Quran are very harsh. Like, the punishments are very harsh. Um, So, like, the standards of enforcement were very high. And in many cases, like, they just never came to the point of, like, actually having to apply the punishments. Um, Like, you know, the classic examples of, like, you need four witnesses to witness adultery or or whatever. Um, So, in many cases, Mm -hmm. that just, like, wasn't really it never really came up it was more just like on the books as like a a thing of like this is morally wrong and it it carries a harsh punishment because that's how wrong it is so you shouldn't do it but it was never mm-hmm. really i mean I'm, I'm speaking generally or or i'm speaking about like in best case scenarios it's certainly the case and we see this all over the place today with like isis and the taliban and all this kind of stuff where like these laws take a Big emphasis, and they like love to like punish people with this kind of stuff. But like in better situations, those types of things were more just like you know don't don't do this, and God takes it very seriously. You know, we if if it comes up and there's enough evidence to bear, like you will be punished for it. But it just doesn't really happen because there's so many ways to kind of get out of it and stuff. So I Mm kind of see this as like a parallel situation, maybe like if you if we get to a point where Basic needs are just met because of the way the economy is structured, and there's not like a scarcity of like food and and just basic services and stuff. Then stuff like petty theft maybe is less of a real issue. Like we might still think of like stealing as a bad thing, but it's not something that we, It's like nobody ever steals. Like you don't even think about it because there's like what what are you gonna sure. steal? You know. Yeah. Exactly
1: yeah uh lenin uh so in russia like uh the turn of the century and stuff like uh um for like teaching at like schools and stuff like that like students would copy books kind of thing like have copy books where uh they would uh you know there might be like i don't know like the ten commandments or something like that and they have to like write out the ten commandments a bunch of times or like you know memorize it and debate about it and stuff and kind of thing and uh So, moral teaching a lot of the time was very rote, very, like, direct, very, like, you know, I should never do this, you know, this is not, this, you know, uh, very, very, like, uh, formulaic and repetitive and, uh, you know, but also, like, aspirational, you know, moral or something like that kind of thing, like saying, like, these are all the good things that you should do or whatever and that kind of thing too, or I shouldn't do. And what Lenin said was that, like, uh, you know, he's not saying, you know, he said that, like, in the future, when there's, like, a communist society and stuff like that, he said all of those things that are in those books, like, the good the good parts, at least, kind of thing, they will all be true. Like, they will all come true, like, you know, they will all be realized, you know, uh, but... Uh, that's not how you realize them kind of thing it's it's not by like you know copying out the things and stuff like that that do it whatever it's by creating the conditions where people can actually live a moral life and stuff like that so i always, that always kind of stuck with me where it's this idea that like uh and it makes more sense to me now at least where it's like uh you know if people are stuck in a certain mode of life that encourages them towards negative things or something like that uh whatever um in lots of ways then you know uh that 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 obviously they're sort of they're set up for failure to some extent kind of Mm -hmm. thing but like uh he's saying that like you can imagine sort of a future whether or not that's actually possible is another kind of side thing but like uh you can imagine uh this future where people just you know it's not by hector like priests hectoring people and telling them they have to do these things and writing them out a hundred times and all that kind of stuff. uh, um, it, it won't be that that causes the people to be moral. It will be the fact that like, you know, they get up in the morning, what they have to do. They have to kind of think of, you know, they're just thinking of ways how they can help people around them, basically. Right. They're just thinking because they've been facilitated with that by like an enormous buildup of social power or whatever. So, you know, capital, whatever you want to call it. Um, that just basically lets them do that, and uh, so that's interesting to me too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of I like that that way of thinking of it better than uh, this idea that somehow you know there's there's this idea that somehow in a cat- catastrophic collapse or something you just get rid of all of the existing institutions or something that somehow spontaneously you would get a moral outcome or something like that from that. That's not going to happen, obviously. And uh, there's also, I mean, the 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 reason why this is uh, debated all is because the revolutionary states that sort of came out of, you know, the Leninist revolutions and all this kind of stuff, uh, basically claimed, well, you know, and Lenin himself had said, you know, once you have a revolution, um, you kind of have to throw out all the old liberal moralism and all that kind of you know you can't you can't guide your society by that um, because you know it's kind of fake and is designed to uphold capitalism and all that kind of stuff um, and you can't just not have any control because you're fighting this revolution and you have to build the conditions for people to build up well the sort of in-between model that ended up getting created uh, was ended up being very cynical because of that right it was basically like you know, he, Lenin said something like uh, freedom uh, in capitalist society is uh, – oh, no, sorry. I, you know, so in, in revolutionary society, Lenin said that like, uh, you know, it is true that freedom is uh, precious. It's so precious that it should be rationed or something like that <laughs> kind of thing, right? Like, so it's like it, – it's this idea that like, uh, you know, if you're in a revolutionary system, it's almost like – because you know that morality is a contingent in the in institutions and all that, uh, you can basically do whatever you feel like, you know? And uh, it, it ended up producing a very cynical outcome or something like that. And that's dangerous, obviously. I mean, that that led to all sorts of abuses by officials and all that kind of stuff and terrible social compromises and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that's that's obviously a dead end, but it's kind of like, You know, if you lean on the liberal model and say, yeah, we need to have all these democratic forms, we need to build up our society as like to self-rule and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but that might just reproduce capitalist expectations and stuff like that, too. So I don't know what the actual solution to that kind of thing is. I tend to lean towards the little more liberal slash libertarian kind of view of like saying, well, no, that just means you need to like have radical democracy and all that kind of stuff but it's like it's weird because it's like that radical democracy and all that stuff is basically like it's it's a transitory kind of thing because you can imagine that in the future that just won't be salient you know so yeah anyways so yeah
0: yeah it's interesting to me I don't, I don't even really think of it as like a problem it's more like this is just like almost like a mechanical sort of thing of like uh if if things change change in some fundamental level like at the level of like the mode of production then our relation to morality and the law will also change and it's i don't really see it as something that like how do we fix a problem here it's more like that's that's just uh how things work i guess which maybe is closer in line to that view of uh that people you know you kind of opened with about how people think about marx as being like a Almost amoral or something like, or Marxism as being some kind of like amoral thing, where it's like, no, it's not a about morality. It's just about like embodying this historical process and all this kind of stuff.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's sort of the part of the solution is that like it's like, okay, well, we've got a culture where I currently think of things in terms of liberal society and stuff because I grew up in a liberal society. Yeah. So, you know, that's that just, it's a very basic thing. So, I don't know. I think that's part of the solution is that you're like, you know, if you're going to have a transitional form, you have to kind of say, well, it has to be democratic or whatever in certain respects and that, because that is the kind of society we have. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's sort of tautological, but like, it makes sense to me.
0: Sure. I, I think I get it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, so let's finish up here with some some quick questions uh how about this one tom should we create a muslim motorcycle gang uh i don't really like motorcycles to be honest i am kind of i'm one of those cucks that thinks they're like dangerous and stuff so you go and do you Mm -hmm. you know but not for me
1: what would be a good name for a muslim motorcycle gang though other than like holy (laughs) rollers like what like like what would be
0: uh something about yeah do do motorcycle gangs like do they do the black flag thing or was that just like hardcore punk bands and stuff because black flag is also associated with islam so that could work um halal (laughs) angel yeah i don't know that's pretty good yeah i don't know there's all kinds of like uh, like Turkic tribes, you could name your gang after, you know, like Muslim Turkic mm-hmm. conquerors and stuff. You call yourself like the Gaznavids or whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm obviously yeah. not very good at this. Sure. <laughs> <True. laughs> all right. Uh, let's let's do another one here. How about this? Do you think there's a new special heaven for people who get vaccinated? I I feel like God is not gonna care at all about this vaccination stuff like whether people are doing it or not you can be like okay great whatever did you uh you know did you treat your parents right did you hurt anybody you know that kind of stuff
1: yeah i think that the morality part of it would be motivations and uh knowledge and all that kind of stuff you know like uh like you know i mean if you just didn't get it because you're like being vindictive in some way or something like that kind of thing like you're being like
0: Or on the flip side, if you got it and you were like, good, I hope all the unvaccinated people die now. And, you know, that's (laughs) also not a good Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next one says, if I drive around Chicago with my windows down blaring YCW, what are the odds that Muslim Tom will hear it and freak the hell out? Uh, Very low because there's a very low chance that I would be outside to hear it. So, uh, yeah, knock yourself out.
1: Mm. would you be freaked out if you heard someone listening to it
0: you know, you just walking uh, by no i guess, it yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't freak me out yeah, it yeah. would be i'd be very curious i'd be like oh man what the hell has, has i guess
1: i guess people don't know what you look like in general i was gonna say has anyone ever stopped you or, or asked you about it but yeah i guess not but no uh, um yeah i would that weird you out if someone <laughs> recognized you
0: uh a little bit probably yeah I mean, there was one time, I think I've told the story, but there was one time in college when this was like in the something awful days where like that was how I was known online, uh, where mm-hmm. I like went to this party and apparently someone there like heard that I was there and knew about me from like something awful and was like really pissed and was like that Maoist hardline asshole. Apparently he was like <laughs> angrily like ranting about this. And, uh, I didn't see it, but one of my friends came and told me that was happening. So I was like, all right, let's, let's get out of here. That was very strange. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not even sure if that actually happened. That seems so bizarre, but I also like my friend wasn't really clued into all this. So like, I I don't know where he would have, there's a lot of things that like don't add up for that to just be him, like making something up, you know? So that that was very, very odd. Um. Mm -hmm. so sometimes i do think about that like if i'm on the train or something i'm I'm thinking like how many people on this train have like ever read a tweet of mine or something you know yeah 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 strange yeah it kind of makes you uh like just imagine if you like had real celebrity where like everybody just knows your name everyone knew stuff about you you know like that is just crazy i can't i don't understand why people want that yeah, that is, that is strange, yeah. I like being anonymous and just, like, yeah. I, I don't gain anything from all these people, like, knowing about me. Hmm. Uh, okay. Are vaccine passports fascist creep or just normal and good? Um, I, I I don't see it being really like a big positive thing. I don't think it's some scary fascist thing or whatever, but definitely see it going bad ways more than good ways. You know, I don't really think that it's such a great thing. I guess it's convenient is the main benefit of it. Uh, but it also seems pretty easy to like, you know, counterfeit it and get around it and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, it doesn't really have like a strong legal mandate to, to enforce it or whatever. Uh, and it also, I I don't know. I think in general, a lot of things that are, Anything that's going to be kind of divisive like that is probably going to be used in pretty bad ways these days. So doesn't seem
1: great. Yeah, I guess I guess like you got to think it too, it, like in terms of like how long are these things supposed to be in effect or like used or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is it is it something that we're like it, like it can't be the fact that like ten years from now we're going to be showing them. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, it just won't even, I mean, sense. some people are kind like of like years. referencing
0: like the Patriot act with this kind of stuff. I think that's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit silly. Yeah. I don't know. It, it also isn't like a real infringement on your rights. Like you can't go to some bar or something like, you know, grocery yeah. stores, at least from what I've seen here, uh, it says like mask or vaccine basically. So either you wear a mask or you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, need to be vaccinated but no one checks that so yeah my assumption is that people who are vaccinated are also still wearing masks and people who are not wearing masks never got vaccinated and so it's just like <laughs> it's just yeah. really stupid but um yeah i don't know i i don't really get a strong sense that there's like any kind of big uh, lock of or uh lockdown on like people's rights or whatever that there's a lot of crying about yeah. but it also just doesn't seem like this is a vehicle for anything good
1: well, yeah, like, uh, I'm not sure it, I don't know how much it's like actually, I guess the idea is that it encourages people to, cause I don't think that like, it, it, it seems like a bit of like security theater yeah. kind of stuff, you know, it's like, I don't know how much it's actually going to reduce the caseload. It can only really do it indirectly. If it's like you're creating an annoyance for someone that, you know, like, a you're impeding someone's life so that they're more likely to take the vaccine so that, so that you don't have to worry about that so that therefore you're increasing the vaccination rate so that caseload might go down. That seems kind of, I'm not sure that that you're going to get like uh that doesn't seem like a public health debate thing kind of thing. That seems more like uh I I don't know that do, it doesn't seem plausible to me that that's actually going to be the, the way that you solve the problem. Yeah. Um, so I guess like in edge cases, like if it saves a few lives or something like that, that would be positive. But like, uh, um, I, I mean, don't know. even then, like,
0: I mean, is that really going to save people's? I just don't. Sure, it's not a very yeah. strong measure in terms of preventing whatever they're trying to prevent. You know, I don't know. Just, just seems like this, you said yeah. theater.
1: For the fall in in on in uh, Canada, they're going to send I think like for like international travel or something. Give us like documents that we can use to show that we've been vaccinated or something like that. And uh, I guess that makes sense too. That again, that that is more. I think even in that situation, that's more like a defense for the traveler. Yeah, sure. Than it is against like that's a good like, idea. There's nothing wrong with Or that. something. Yeah, and uh, I think that's fine. Um, I think a lot of it is just right now it's like, uh, I I don't know. It it just seems like so many things are like up in the air in terms of like people's theories about stuff that, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of whipsaw between like, you know, one person doing something that is like extra, extra safe just to try to like keep things moving along. And then uh, other people like being like we don't need any of these rules or something like that kind of thing you know like it, it like jumps all over the place you know like so uh, in in Ontario like one of the top doctors uh, on like one of those like panels or whatever you know like COVID panel recommendation panel or something like that uh, resigned the other day because uh, he said that like the government is hiding. Uh, the number of cases they expect in the fall and stuff like that that like he thinks that there's going to be like the fourth wave we're kind of like in a sort of start of a fourth wave to some extent but he thinks it's just going to be like a huge case count again um uh which uh you know that that uh anyway so he resigned i guess yeah because of that like he said that they were hiding it and like uh that kind of thing is not encouraging to me kind of thing i don't know that doesn't seem Like we're in headed in a good place in terms of like in Canada, I mean, in Ontario, at least like over 80% of people have gotten at least one shot kind of thing, at least like, I think it's like 85% or maybe more now. Um, So if, if you can't, if you can't get things under control with that level of, uh, um, uh, uptake for the vaccine and stuff like, uh, you know, that, basically i feel like things are still being kind of poorly managed but at the same time i have no idea what the alternative is but you know what i mean like i don't know what we should be doing <laughs> think, yeah. so yeah yeah
0: yeah it'll be interesting i i it wouldn't surprise me at all if it turns out like oh the vaccine didn't really stop anything and then we just kind of started to relax on a bunch of things uh because we we had this magic vaccine thing that was supposed to fix everything and oh whoops didn't didn't actually work out that way. that would not surprise me at all um, it'd be I don't expect people to uh, really do any kind of reflection on that and be like hmm, maybe I was wrong about this or anything like that but I don't know
1: I, I mean it seems to be helping a lot uh, in certain uh, certain extent it's not oh, it's not yeah
0: it's
1: not, it's not it's not like solving the problem right but like it's it's uh that's the problem really is the 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 way people treat
0: it it's like either it's some kind of thing that's going to make you sterile and you know give you autism and stuff or it just is like a silver bullet that just kills the the virus immediately and you never gonna have to worry about it ever again like it's neither of those things it's it's a, a rushed solution to something which we don't know how effective it really is you know like, they're, now they're talking about having yeah. booster shots and stuff, and uh, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah,
1: and uh, I mean, and, and China, it seems like, was able to mostly resolve the situation uh, to, you know, like, get it under control to some extent without the vaccines. Right. You know what I mean? Like, at, at the start, at least mostly get it sort of under control. And then, and not not only that, but no one no one denies that their vaccines are it looks like less effective than the mRNA ones, whatever the MRNAs were. Um, uh, so it's one of those things where collective approaches is still the main thing. But like, uh, um, yeah, like it, it it's not necessarily going to be this one technology that solves it all kind of thing. So yeah. Um, but I don't know what our political will is about that or whatever kind of thing. Like, if there's more lockdowns again or whatever, people are just going to freak out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm i here for it. I'm, I'm happy for the thousand years. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, the yeah, sure. Um, yeah.
0: So here's a question that was sort of uh, related to this last one. So I figured I'd just read this. It says, uh, why is there no critical discourse from the left about vaccine passports? It seems like a no-brainer that socialists would be against mandatory vaccination and the infringement upon civil liberties that the passports imply. I don't know about that. I very rarely read these publications, but I find myself constantly checking Jacobin, Current Affairs, Dissent, McLean's Passage, at all. I don't know even half of those. Uh, searching desperately for anything so that I can feel less alone and less insane. There are a few dirt bags like the Fed Post who are openly critical, but it doesn't help my sanity that the only leftists, in quotes, taking a stance on this topic, are very much part of that horseshoe where left and right become, shall we say, somewhat nebulous. I hate myself for turning to the likes of Brett Weinstein and the Dark Horse podcast, who are unambiguously part of the intellectual dark dark web. They often refer proudly to their friends Barry Weiss and Jordan Peterson, but at least they have some fucking academic bona fide, so I don't feel like I'm just listening to pure Alex Jones-tier shit. But at the same time, I don't feel far off. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I Yeah. I guess that is, that is part of the, the problem with uh, I don't know. I, I I. really, this does great on me. I get like the reasoning behind this kind of stuff sometimes where like if something is associated with a certain political stand, yeah. then uh, it's just not talked about it at all. And um, I, I get that. And uh, yeah, so um i i think that like uh there has been some stuff uh not not vaccine passports directly but there was some stuff here and there about like uh not supporting open borders and all that kind of stuff you know like people um uh like uh critical of being closed down i think i think in the uk it's more popular um in terms of like uh if you're looking for, like, English language stuff about, like, uh, criticizing lockdown of the borders, uh, regimes. Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, um, I, I, it is one of those things, though, it is hard to, uh, uh, for vaccine passports. Like, I'm trying to think in terms of, like, vaccine passports as, like, uh, their actual effect on people's lives, uh, um, that would be harmful or something like that and you would have to think that like certain people a lot of it would be like border control or uh certain types of public events i mean if someone can't go to uh um like a baseball game because they haven't been vaccinated or something like that that is there is a certain thing of like being closed out of society or whatever i get that is negative and you might be like 10 steps down the road from now we'll have like uh you know you might have to show a green thing on your phone or something that shows that you haven't been disobedient online or something yeah, like that yeah. kind of thing i get that like you can kind of like you can imagine this getting uh thing but i don't feel like we're there yet about that kind of stuff um and or it's like we're already 10 steps beyond that when it comes to border control and stuff mm-hmm. you know um uh Where you're, you know, I don't know, it just, the the second you try to get across the American border, like, you're already giving up so many other rights that, like, it's pretty uh, tough. Um, But, yeah, I think that, like, in terms of, like, the passport as, like, actual passport kind of thing, like, as, like, border control stuff um, is probably where you would find the most criticism on the left. But at the same time, I mean, there is just a very rational, basic logic to it that you don't want people coming in on airplanes (laughs) or whatever that have a disease or something like that like it's just a if you abstract it into this like libertarian thing so quickly you you start to it starts to be about the debate more than about the fact that like there's a disease yeah yeah i i agree and uh, that's just a very basic thing i think that you just have to you know kind of deal with the fact that like you know, it, it's a very, very logical thing for not want people transmitting disease across large periods of the Earth or large, uh, you know, uh,
0: distances and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's wrap up with this last one here. It says, can you guys switch roles for one episode and have Dawn introduce the pod? So, th- that's up to you. I'm willing um, to relinquish my throne <laughs> for maybe one episode
1: sure i i think both of us are creatures of habit where we like to know expectations like to know what we're uh, doing in any given situation or something like that and uh, it's usually back and forth quickly before we start about that we're settled that we know there's nothing else to talk about before we start and then we get into it and stuff and uh, i don't know i i i think that like if the if the podcast does continue on uh, for some time uh, i can imagine it like 50 years from now tom would say it the exact same way <laughs> uh, every time and I, and then uh, we would get into it so uh unless unless there's a reason to change i'm not sure we'll see
0: but yeah, yeah it kind of helps me to say it the same way every time cuz it's like this is how you start and then once it starts sure. like that's the easier part it's it's more like just sure. the immediate starting thing it's hard to like just start i guess i don't know i also really yeah. don't like like cold open style podcasts sure, i like a yeah. little bit of like okay into the podcast zone sure um so yeah, yeah. kind of sounds like a no but we'll see maybe it'll happen someday <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all right okay. so i think that'll do it for today Sure um, so if you guys enjoyed this episode and you'd like a second episode every week, you can get that by subscribing to our patreon. Uh, you'll get that as well as access to our discord where you can chat with us in our lovely community. Um, if you want to send us questions you can go to the Twitter account at you and you'll find a link to it pinned there. And so thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.. Okay, guys,
1: guys.